Hi there, Connor. How are you? Very well, David. Uh, lovely to see you. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Yes, very well. Enjoying the uh, the backdrop of uh, the, the Irish mountains there, my friends. Looking uh, good. Thanks, David. Well, look for, look forward to having you over when uh, normal yes. service resumes. We've, we've joked that you painted that yourself. I don't think that's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, um, hello everyone. Um, another episode of GCS Connect, the Leaders Series. As you know, GCS is a, a worldwide technology recruiter. Um, we connect expert talent to innovative companies. Um, and CXC is a partner of ours and one we work with quite a lot. Um, CXC is a contingent workforce management uh, company. Um, they also work worldwide. Uh, and Connor is the CEO. And basically, he's got 15 years um, experience, came from a law background before that, 15 years experience in staffing. Um, we were just telling me he worked for Aston Carter, which is one of our long-term rivals over the years. So it's, uh, it's added a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of tension into the call. Um, but um, uh, I think um, we'll find out more about how long CXC has been going. Um, but they have a kind of global reach. Um, and one of the things I'm particularly interested in talking about is is the compliance aspects, both of the change in contingent workforce and what that means, but also how remote working and this new kind of economic setup and the new economic situation uh, really might change and change the way that people kind of work together. So hopefully it'll be useful for everyone, including myself. So, so that's me kind of, that's the, probably the best intro that I can give you, but um, I'm Thank sure you can do yourself better justice. So tell us a bit about yourself and about the business and, and how you found the last few months. Yeah, sure thing. And David, thanks, thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. So my, my name is Connor Heaney and I'm the Managing Director for CXC in EMEA. Um, I joined CXC about five years ago, David, and, and my job really was to grow our MSP business in Europe and also our corporate business in Europe. And as you mentioned, um, I started off my career in staffing with Aston Carter in London back in 2007. Yep working in IT recruitment. Um, I still remember all the phrases and all the tricks of the trade. And I had a, had a really great um, career um, with Aston Carter in, in Ireland, where I worked for Aston Carter for nearly four years. And then I went into um, work for a company called the Rethink Group to build out their MSP practice um, here in Ireland and the UK. And I spent, Nearly five years there, David, and it was an incredibly um, exciting time to do that. Yeah. And yep. I made the mistake of joining a technology company uh, that went uh, belly up back in 2014. Oh, yeah. I was very lucky to meet the chairman and founder of CXC, um, a gentleman called Dave Thomas. And yep. He wanted to do something really different um, because CXC's business was primarily working with recruitment agencies, David, as you will probably appreciate, we used to work in as an umbrella company, essentially yep. working with the contractors. And what we wanted to do was really change that business model to start working with the MSPs and also the companies behind the MSPs. So, so my job was to really build a lot of partnerships with MSPs and yep. also uh, build a direct sales channel and a business out of Ireland in 2015. So I just came up to my five-year anniversary here with CXC. Thank you. Um, when we started the business, we had zero people, uh, zero revenue. Um, I had a partner in crime based down in Australia um, who helped with all the marketing and the operations and finance. And 
we managed to get the business off the ground and, and make it profitable in, in, in two years. And I guess when we started, David, we had zero contractors under management and we, we peaked at around 2,000 uh, contractors under management back in uh, towards the end of 2019. So um, we've got quite a good business now. Uh, we've got clients across aviation, pharmaceutical, consulting, and I guess you know, when you've, when you've started up a business within a wider business and we're part of the CXC Global uh, group of companies, um, it's easy to look good, particularly on the way up, right? And it, yeah, yeah. I've always enjoyed the, the startup and taking businesses from, I guess, zero to hero. And traditionally, the operational stuff has really bored me. I love, I love the high growth, um, high growth challenge. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed that over the last five years. And I suppose... I was just waiting for the hiccup to come because we had such a great time. And of course the hiccup came in, in March of this year with the COVID. Yeah. So, so when did you, um, when did you join Aston Castle? What year? Uh, yeah, January, January, 2007, David. And so, so you were kind of there during a good time and then 2008 came. Oh, so one of the questions yeah. we go into is, yeah. is how, how you dealt with that. So I know for, for ourselves, um, it was a tough time, and obviously you working in an area which was very much financial services based, yeah. that must have been particularly tough. And what, what did you take from that? I mean, now you're a, you're a business leader yourself in another difficult time. What did you take from how the Aston Carter leadership dealt with that? You know, I think three things I took from that. One, you're lucky if you keep your job in, in, in a recession, and I was lucky yeah. that, that I did. So Aston Carter really stood by the people, David, and that's something that I've I've tried to do across my career since then. But mm. I think the second thing is to be resilient, right? And the third is really to be positive. And I know it's easy to say, yeah, be positive. And it's really difficult when the world is losing its mind, people are losing their jobs. And I think back to Aston Carter, and we lost our entire contractor book overnight. And yeah. It was extremely painful. And our business was 100% in Ireland, contract related. So we went from having pretty much really good revenues that they're almost zero over the yeah 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 a month David but I think the first thing that really I learned from that time was relationships matter mm. and relationships are important and I spent the year of that recession really meeting my clients and sticking tight to my clients and meeting them as much as possible they even just not from a business perspective, but we actually became friends during that period because everyone was in the same boat. You were lucky to have kept the job and everyone yeah. was gripped by this climate of fear. So it was really good just to keep in touch for coffees, lunches, and Aston Carter were really good at helping you develop those really good relationships. And if I think back to then, those relationships have stayed with me, you know, almost 13 or 12 years later, David. And I think my advice to anyone who's working in, in business now and, and is in the business of business, building businesses or developing relationships during this time, stick with your clients, help them out. If your clients lost their job or your main stakeholder, introduce them to your network, you know, show the power of referrals, show the power of information, open up your network to them and really help them out. And also be there to listen to them and, you know, don't be self-interested, be interested in them and interested yeah. in, in how you can help them and I, I think interesting I think I think that's something particularly in business now I mean we had a uh, a conversation last week with a guy who a young guy runs a business yeah. and I think this whole mission driven um type of business 
I, I think it's funny when you when you mentioned that about the watch, and I think that's very much people's. Um, we talk about recruitment, we talk about staffing. That's people's image of of staffing and potentially yeah. how it used to be. I think now it's commoditizing. I think now there's a lot more competition. I think now the the inner workings of recruitment have become slightly more understand uh, understandable and accessible to most managers and talent teams that that whole you know ferrari and uh, a really really lovely watch obviously nice as it is is not yeah. really what, what what recruiters these days are about and i think now like you said it's very much more about driving customer service making yeah. sure you can deliver solutions and helping your client to expand you know yeah. i think i think instead of like the kind of status symbol being I've got this really, really nice watch. The station symbol should be, I've helped this company to grow from X to X. You know, this is, look at these, look at this fantastic portfolio I've got. And, and let's not be, let's not, let's not kind of beat around the bush. Aston Carter, work, Aston Carter was very, very good at that. You know, yeah. it still is, you know, so they, they have those clients. But I think, I think um, what we're trying to drive ourselves within our business and, and working with partners like you is to kind of, a little bit like a lawyer, really, you know, trying to provide that professional service mm-hmm. and work with professional partners in order that you can give a, a give a, a structure and a platform for what you're trying to do. And I think that's really key, you know, because the world is going to change, recruitment is going to change, staffing mm-hmm. is definitely going to change, and we need to be ahead of that, don't we? So hopefully we're doing that, Connor. Hopefully we're working yeah, together right. to do that. So yeah, no, I've seen that, David, within your own business and. I guess there was a, a fifth or sixth thing I should have added. My ethos personally and professionally, David, is all about service, right? And it's about commitment to service excellence because service sells, right? Yeah. If, you, if you overperform and exceed your clients and your partner's expectations, logically, they're going to work with you again and again as long as you maintain and keep up and exceed that quality of service. And hmm. I suppose... What I particularly, recruitment is a hard business, right, David? Everyone knows that. If you're good at recruitment, the best recruiters are the best consultants, the best people that think like a professional services lawyer, tax advisor, consultant. They're really um, a consultant to the candidate, but also a consultant to their client. And, you know, my concern when I was leaving recruitment, David, is that it was so commoditized, right? So uh, it was beginning to get commoditized. And, my view is that if recruitment companies cannot differentiate themselves through service and knowledge and market intelligence and being that, that consultant and an advisor to the client, that potentially they might get crunched or disintermediated by technology. And yeah. um, that was my concern 10 years ago when, uh, when I joined Rethink, David, and we actually sought to build a defensive and offensive position for our business. And, and mm. if I, I may explain what, what I mean by that. We had an MSP business. We had a staffing business that was feeding the MSP and other MSP businesses and other clients. But we were concerned that our margins were diminishing uh, year on year. Every time we got a renewal, you know, you, you might have had, you might have started at 15% and ended up at six. Yeah, yeah. So particularly in banking or financial services. And I think that still holds true. But so we actually set up a statement of work and project consultancy. We wanted to use our recruitment business as, I guess, the, the engine for finding the people. Mm-hmm. And then we wanted to use the wrapper of the service and the project delivery 
to actually compete with the larger system integrators to take some of their business because ultimately, you know, back then they would have been coming to us for the resources. Yeah. Because and, in, in the end, like what we do is obviously yeah. it's based on skill set, it's based yeah. on the ability to access that talent. Correct. Um, and then, you know, usually it's to build a project that's a successful project. So, you know, I think there is quite a lot of kind of bleed between the different industries. And like you said, that kind of service is really about making sure that you're kind of ahead of that. And yes. you're, which obviously is what, what leaders like you and I do, you know, we try mm -hmm. to, to see where the market's going and, um, and make sure that you're kind of ahead of it and making the right decisions and that sort of thing. So on a kind of, on a lighter note, I mean, how is, how is the, I mean, obviously we know that the, um, the lockdown is slightly different in Ireland. Yes. Um, Kind of it was shut down really hard and they've been much tighter and i think you've got a doctor as a pm haven't you so you kind of know what you're talking about Boris <laughs> yes, mice and certainly more than donald might there's no yes. but um for you as a leader i know we've spoken before it's been not you know it's been okay but it hasn't been great how, how have you kind of changed your leadership aspects how, how have you how have you approached this you know bearing in mind what you've learned from previous kind of downturns and different yeah. types of businesses how, how have you approached coming into this and how has maybe it changed you as a leader yeah um good great question david i think what before i go into the detail when when the lockdown came in a lot of businesses moved to working remotely or virtually and i guess we were in a great position david whereby most of our people have been working virtually for the last five years here in EMEA. So they've got hubs and we've got hubs like where I'm in today, where you can go yeah. to if you want to or meet clients, got boardrooms and et cetera. But our business was founded on the work from anywhere principle, right? And it just so happened that I lived in Ireland and that's, that's where the business ended up being headquartered. And of course, it, you know, it's a very favorable corporation, tax environment, it's easy to set up a business here. But our teams in the UK and Poland, and Netherlands and in India all work remotely. They've got hubs where they can go into. So the adjustment for us as a business was was pretty instantaneous if I if I, if, if I if I could be so so blunt uh, to say that. Um, our company is founded on transparency and, and that, that's come from our chairman and founder uh, who I mentioned earlier, David, and also from our global CEO Peter Orab and our global CEO Ingrid, Ingrid Weber. So we are always upfront and honest with our people, but and our ethos is I'm here to serve, right? Because it, it, being a leader, obviously you need to be out there in front, David, but also I'm here to serve my, my team, right? And yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's my philosophy. And without them, we don't have a business, obviously you need clients to service, but without them doing their jobs, we don't got a business and we don't got a good business and we can't meet all the service things that I mentioned earlier. But what we have done is, is increase the communication flow. Yep. So we have, we have regular town halls and those town halls are fully transparent, David. So we, we, we show our OPEX or EBITDA, the yep. OPEX levels, the, the revenue trends, the, the, the client um, revenue, etc. Unfortunately, some of those revenues have been declining just given where we are with, with the COVID. And, we're given insurance that we wanted to put our people first, uh, first and foremost, and, and that's the, the values and ethos, David, we've had since we set up this business, and that's the, the values and ethos that CXE has a, as a global business. We really, truly believe that our people are our family, 
and we treat them yeah. as family and we might fight from time to time but at the end of the day we'll have a metaphorical Hogan um, <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, with HR and all that you know we, we can't have probably physical hugs these days but metaphorically we, we, we act and treat each other as family and even though we're a global company in 65 countries, we're still, we're, we're still a small enough company. We've got 300 people around the world and everyone knows each other, David. So I guess my leadership style hasn't changed because it's you always- You change it too much. I, mean, I think that's one of the not, key things that are coming really, in. David, I, honestly, because my style is very humble, right? And basically the default thing I always say to myself is, I don't know all the answers and I don't pretend to know all the answers. And, and I guess that's why I've hired the people that are around me because they've got talents that I don't have. They've got intelligence yeah. in other respects that I don't have and never will have. And they've got appreciation for things that I don't have. And, and theoretically, the sum of all parts should, should, should be better than the individual parts, if, if, if that makes sense. So and that's one of the things when we talk about leadership here, I think there's a question that we've come into quite a lot. Yeah. Obviously, a leader builds good teams. Yes. But to be a leader, there's certain kind of elements that you wouldn't necessarily delegate, you know, where you think like this, I'll take this one. So what, yeah. would, you, what would you say those are? What would you say that it's in, important as the leader to, to take decisive action on? Yeah, bad news. So, yeah. you know, deal with it, <laughs> deal with it and, and, and action it and, and get it out of the way. And, you know, don't don't sugarcoat it. Um, don't sugarcoat it. Just be honest with where you're at, and yeah. don't don't hide from it. And you know, ultimately, I suppose, David, if we don't deliver, it's my head on the block. So I, yeah. I I take accountability for everything and anything that we do as a business. But of course, I don't do everything that we do as a business. And other members of, of of our team um, do that, but humbleness is, is something I believe in uh, very much so and you know listen and uh, listen to what's going on in the business and I'm, I'm very careful to understand how everyone's feeling either, either directly with with people in the team or with their leadership team really just checking in and making sure that they're okay and really probably boring them with asking them how okay they are. I think that's that's one of the, the key things isn't it and, you know, we, we've both worked on big sales floors in the past Yes. When a decision is made or someone leaves or something happens, then you go back on the sales floor or on the office floor and then yeah. you can see what's happening and you can kind of sense the room, can't you? Yeah, one, you of can. our, one of our previous um, chats that we were talking with a guy who did a lot of change management, yeah. when you're working in this remote way, you cannot read the room, can you? So that over communicating, talking one to ones on video calls becomes incredibly important, doesn't it? Just to really get the sense of what people are thinking. I, I agree, and also as well, David. You know, we've been in a fortunate position where we haven't um, had to make any, you know, people changes to the business during during the COVID crisis. But you know, where we've had people leave the business in the past, I always think it's important that people are allowed to leave the business respectfully with their head yeah. held high, and we really, I, I believe treat people with the utmost respect here and we really listen to them. Are we perfect as a business? I'm sure we're not, right? And no. I really listen respect in, in most things. But yeah, we, we, we treat people, I think, with the dignity and, res and respect that, uh, that, that they deserve. But I suppose, David, when the, when the, if I'm totally honest with you, I, the, the humdrum of day-to-day -day business 
um, whilst they do find it interesting, I like solving problems. So when the COVID crisis arrived, I actually welcomed it, right? I welcome a challenge. I welcome the ability to fix things and I welcome the ability to solve problems. So I, I've actually quite enjoyed the last three yeah, I, I, I tend and to I, agree with you. I think <laughs> yeah. I've got this kind of saying, it makes you feel alive, right? You know, yeah. doing the AU, same sort of stuff, checking your spreadsheets, doing your budgets, things yeah. are going along okay. And even when things are going well, I mean, you're celebrating it, but you know, is a leader and a workplace really kind of comes out and a team really comes out when you're in, in moments of struggle. Yeah. Um, and I do think, you know, you, you wake up, right, I've got to get these things sorted out. And I think it's a, it's a key thing. And, and, and as a leader, again, if you can get that into your people's minds, you know, you were talking yeah. about being positive before, if you can say, look, I know this is a, you know, nightmare, but this, you'll learn more from this than you ever will from, Okay. in your average day-to-day -day business you know this yeah. is this this is learning this is like yeah. work school it is <laughs> I, I wasn't fortunate enough to do an mba and, and i might not ever, not ever get to do one of it but th this is the ultimate business test right and if you can survive and thrive in what, what people are calling a greater depression and the great depression and what what potentially might be worse than the great financial recession back 10 years ago or so you know, that gives you a lot of confidence. And, you know, coming out of the last recession, David, um, you know, the business that I was in took off like a rocket ship. And oh, of, yeah, course, yeah. of course, we were down at zero, but, but that gave me a lot of confidence to, to, to navigate this particular crisis. Um, and it's been quite different, I suppose, David. I don't know about your business, but, you know, when the COVID crisis kicked off, I, I prepared in my mind for you know, us to lose all the contractors that we manage on behalf yeah. of our clients. And I feel that focus on profit and productivity. Exactly. Yeah. Would survival, right? So surviving yeah. is a whole different yeah. thing. You know, exactly. It's only now that leaders are really starting to think about, right, okay, I've survived. Yeah. How am I going to get back? I guess exactly. that's, the harder, that's the harder job, isn't it, really? Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, you know, we, we, we fought the fires as, as they've arose. And, you know, David, I, I'm incredibly blessed in this respect, and I don't want to sound quasi-religious, but I've got a fantastic leadership team around me. It's, it's just not about me, right? And, you know, I've got a, a great leadership team in our operations and client service, and she's particularly committed, Hannah, to making sure that we provide the best possible service. And then I've got Eamon, who's our, our finance director, CFO for Europe, and he's an incredibly commercially aware guy. And a, and very good. good. We've yeah. used him a lot. He's a very <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, you know that team and then our team amongst teams and then our CEO and CEO we've got a really close direct transparent friendly working relationship we have a lot of we have a lot of fun David actually it's 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 yeah. really enjoyable working with them and you know we 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 we, we try to create an environment where people can be themselves here, David. Obviously, there has to be some, some, some boundaries, right? You know, <laughs> you know, for legal reasons and HR reasons and whatnot. Yeah. Not, but we wanted to create, and I think we've been successful in creating an environment where people can be themselves. Yeah. Um, and they can be themselves, but it'd be efficient and effective at yeah. their job. And I think this, this COVID crisis really separates those who are able to do their job and do their job well, and those that aren't. And I think it's quite telling um, in different organizations from speaking to peers and other businesses about 
the work from home shift for us, as I said, it hasn't been a problem because we've been used to That's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the other business leaders, yeah. Yeah, they come out of it. So, so, so going forward, I mean, we obviously yeah. work with CXC at GCS yeah. in terms of helping us with international compliance, making sure that we're paying you know, our contracts, contingency workers correctly in different locations. Um, this is obviously a big question now. And I've got a couple of subjects I wanted to kind of go into. Okay. One which is kind of a long-term thing, but two which is in relation to what's kind of happening at the moment. And the first question I had was, we obviously see a lot, a, a big move towards remote working um, and relaxation of the rules in terms of how, where contractors need to be. Yes. Now, it has quite a lot of effect one in terms of skill shortages and recruiting, but also really changes the compliance landscape, right? Because the compliance landscape is based on where you are supplying the services. And CXC, have you really thought, I mean, what, I mean, obviously we don't know how this is going to turn out, but what are your thoughts with regards to this? Because it's, it's quite interesting to, to think about how this might change the world of work, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, David. So we've actually got two software companies as clients that have what I would call a, a distributed workforce of freelancers. So they have workers in about 27 different countries that yep. are independent contractors and freelancers. And those companies came to us independently about four years ago and said, listen, we can find the talent but we're absolutely afraid of engaging this talent incorrectly or non-compliantly. Yeah. Um, we're really worried about how we manage all the different currencies and we don't want to take that risk on. So we've seen that trend, albeit on a small scale about four years ago, David. And my view is, and we're seeing it with some of our clients, so we're seeing clients in Poland that are recruiting yep. people in Brazil particularly you know, niche artificial intelligence people or niche automation testers or, yeah. or niche developers. Um, what they're saying to us is, CXC, make sure these workers are compliant yeah. with the local in-country regulations and um, that they have an appropriate contract, or sorry, an appropriate vehicle to provide yeah. their services and that they can show proof of that. And that you're also CXC, and sending them an appropriate contract for services. And I guess we're quite lucky, David, to almost take advantage and offer that service because, as I mentioned earlier, we're in 65 countries around the world and most yeah. of the major markets, if not all the major markets, so from Brazil to Argentina, USA, Canada, Germany, Netherlands, Australia, China, Hong Kong, Singapore, the list goes on, well, up to 65. So we're well-placed, I guess, to make sure that those workers are compliant and do meet local regulations and law so we believe that that trend will continue right but we still believe and understand that clients still do not want to engage those workers directly because they're yeah. worried about things like tax chain liability they might be worried about withholding tax so if they're engaging workers down in india how that works so they need that intermediary i guess to make sure that a the workers are compliant b the payment routes are compliant and see that all the administration is consolidated and, and looked after. And it actually makes a lot of sense, David, from the, the client's point of view, because they can take advantage of the skill shortage. And, that's, and get, yeah, that's, 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 what, that's what I think is the yeah, skill shortage. Yeah. Skill shortage. Yeah. 
this is where the industry that we've worked within over many, many years is, is based on the fact that yes. I can't find the people to do this job in this location other than if I spend thousands and thousands of pounds more than I might pay for someone with a similar level of experience in another industry. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if, you, if you set that apart and say, well, it doesn't really matter where they are anymore, then a key, a cornerstone of, of the, the, the talent wars is, is taken out, isn't it, really? It, it, it is. And also, there's an, another benefit, which is labour arbitrage. So if you think about it, if you're a UK company um, getting remote developers in Poland, theoretically, you should be able to pay 50% less than you would an equivalent yeah. resource in the UK. And that cost saving is particularly important to, to, to companies. And they really want to take advantage of that now, given the various cost pressures that the business face. And I suppose if you think back to what we were talking about recruitment companies and how potentially they could be disintermediate, how I think recruitment companies can protect their relationship with their clients and protect their business is actually moving or giving their clients access to that global talent. So, you know, although your, your company might be headquartered in the UK, the, your talent pool might now be in Brazil. And all your, your, all your attraction elements are moving towards Brazil to put the workers with a client in Poland or Germany or America. Because, because you know, yeah, your, your access, and this is what we try to do a lot within GCS, yeah. is your access is a, is a global network that you have of technology or, or financial or whatever type of, of, of professionals that you're allowing access to. Um, I, th I think it's really, really interesting because I think it, it opens up so many possibilities, both in terms of ability to attract talent, but also in terms of having a diverse workforce yeah. and in terms of um, really pushing your business forward so that you can globalize very quickly if you're a small startup or something like that. Yeah, exactly, David. And, um, you know, it's really the two clients that we're really proud to work with that I mentioned earlier. It's amazing to see their growth um, and how they've scaled up from with developers of Portugal, artificial intelligence, machine learning, people in Ukraine and Romania, and how that all works. And it works really well. And, and you know, those two businesses are, are on steroids at the moment, even with yeah. the, the yeah. Corona COVID crisis. And it, it, it's, they're one of our few, two of our few clients that are still growing during this, this, um, this, this period of economic uncertainty. Yeah. You'll have to introduce me to them, Connor. <laughs> 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 what do you think if I'm, a, if I'm a client here or a leader within my business it all sounds great i think i can hire people from anywhere now i'm based in the uk i'm sat in reading as i am yes. what are the pitfalls what should i be aware of if i if i'm going to create this global remote workforce i'm not going to face what what mistakes could i make yeah. i think uh, i think a couple well the major one is in ensuring that the worker actually genuinely is an independent contractor, David, um, and, and can show proof of that um, independently. And that, that proof can be verified by yourselves or someone else uh, with local tax office or, or company size equivalent. And I think that's really, really important because you don't want to suffer any reputational, legal or financial risk right? um, yeah. as, a, as a global or large enterprise. I think two, how do you best protect your intellectual property when you've got a remote and distributed workforce? So 
if you if you're a UK company and you've got developers, let's say in the Ukraine, for example, or Poland, where you don't have a legal entity or you don't have an understanding of the rules and regulations, what mechanisms can you put contractually into your um, contracting process, but also your onboarding and offboarding process to ensure that your IP is protected at all times? Three, if you're digitally or remotely onboarding workers in, in another country, you know, what does the IT environment look like that you're allowing them to operate in? Is it secure? Is there multiple firewalls? What's the level of protection? Uh, how can that be hacked? Make sure that the worker can't move things from one environment to another to really protect that IP. So they'll probably be the three things that we would call out, um, David. Yeah, I think it's, it's key, isn't it? Because obviously every, every positive advance brings kind of risks, doesn't it? And you have to manage those risks. And, and for you yourself, I mean, when you're thinking about kind of technology and, that, and how that can help the kind of remote workforce, what sort of kind of solutions are you, are you either employing yourself, yeah. you know, other than the standard Zoom and whatever, yeah. or the, being some of the clients that you're working with who are constructing these global workforces yeah. utilise? Yeah, so the, the, the main one, David, is we've actually built um, a, a technology platform across Europe called Shortlisted. Shortlist are a third-party company that provide the software. So we, we've built with them a, a digital onboarding um, virtual compliance portal for all the contractors that we engage. And we've configured that platform per country so that it's reflective of all the, the local rules and regulations. So it's a self-service portal for the independent contractor, the worker. They upload all the relevant um, details that we ask of them, you know, VAT certificate, proof yeah. of tax compliance. It varies per country, but there's like a 10-point check. And then our shared services or compliance team check that information with the relevant local authority, if it's the company's house in the UK or the Dutch Chamber of Commerce in, in Netherlands. So, so that's enabled us to still manage throughout the crisis because we can digitally onboard and offboard those workers. We can issue them with their contract through that. We can issue them with um, a welcome pack, an onboarding document, an offboarding document. So, so that's really helped our business continue, uh, David, during the crisis. And it's really helped our clients continue to onboard uh, these workers during this time. Yeah, and I guess that's, that's a key kind of uh, piece of advice and whether or not they were to work with CXC and you soft, your software is <clears throat> to have a kind of fully auditable, trackable system where yeah. you say, here's all the documents, this is all the stuff that we did, this exactly. is what we saw, you know, that's, that's a, it's a great thing to drive, isn't it? You know, and yeah. a great, if you were audited, a great thing to have, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, it's basically our defense, our defense file for ourselves, and, but also the, the end client because, mm. you know, you've got a lot of tax and liability laws, uh, David, where, you know, the, 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 the tax authorities will sometimes leapfrog the intermediary and go direct to the client and say, right, you lost this money because contractor X didn't, didn't pay um, their, their taxes or whatnot. But ju just on the Zoom point, David, if, if I may, um, because as I mentioned, our business was built remotely, We've been using Zoom for all communications, all chat functions, all projects for, for the last four, four years. And it's been such an effective tool for us anyway, scaling and growing the business across 14 countries now. Um, yeah, yeah. We are huge advocates for the Zoom. Mm. Yeah, look, 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 we're, not under, we're not being paid, but I've, I was no. wondering who has the works better technically. You get less lag and that sort of yes. stuff. 
Agreed. So we'll, we'll make our, we'll get our money from the sponsorship later. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sponsored by Zoom across the bottom. Yeah, sponsored by Zoom. <laughs> we wish. Yeah, we wish exactly. The, the the other technology trend we're seeing, David, is um, again that you know I think some recruitment companies are actually embracing this concept, and some some aren't, and some won't potentially because they might want to focus on you know being a talent advisor to their clients. But um, we're seeing a huge growth um, from from clients looking to build talent pools or talent platforms. So they want to, they want to basically look at all the talent that has touched their organization over a given period of time, whether they're alumni, applicants, the, the so-called silver medalist that didn't get the job became a close yeah. second. Um, you know, the, this concept. So we've been working quite closely with Twago, um, Elevate Direct um, in Europe here to help organizations really build out those talent platforms and, and refer talent into the talent pool so that yeah. they can... So obviously the customers can get the, 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 the benefit over a period of time. So. Exactly, exactly. So it's almost this concept of, of you know, potentially cheaper um, faster and, and, and better and almost a bit like a talent overdraft that they can draw time <laughs> down yeah. upon. Um, now, now, this trend has is, is, is really become more prominent during, during the corona crisis as, as companies seek to access to talent in different parts of the world. Exactly, and also this is the time probably to start building up those talent pipelines and exactly as it were, in order to kind of get the benefit of people that may be looking for new opportunities and new challenges in different locations. So, yeah, so it's very, very interesting. And, 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 and you know, for yourself, you know, to kind of bring the, the conversation to a close, yeah, you, um, from speaking to your clients and as a leader yourself within your business, are you, are you quite confident about, you know, the, the, the next six to 12 months globally? I mean, obviously you're a global business, right? So yes. you comment more on what's happening in the world than, uh, yeah, of Ireland or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, we've definitely seen a, a pickup um, fr from our Asia business, David, and that, that pickup started about 68 weeks ago as, as, as the corona situation or crisis started to reduce down there. And, you know, from speaking with our clients, a lot of them are beginning to start to hire again. Yeah. And some of them are saying that they're going to start to hire contractors like crazy to support digital transformation support working from home, support new ways of working, support new ways of doing business. And I think the corona crisis, when it ends, and I hope it does end, will provide a boon of sorts to our clients and consequently to us and, and to, to partners like, like yourself, David. Um, and yeah. I'm I confident, I'm, I'm a positive, optimistic person by outlook and, and training. Right? So, you know, there's always an opportunity unfortunately in a crisis and it's, yeah. it's been able to take advantage of that but i think we're in a good position to, to, to benefit from any economic upswing David. Um, i guess the one thing i've learned over the corona crisis is that everything needs to be caveated right? with, i don't yeah. know i'm hopeful but i don't quite know what's going to happen next do you so but hopefully like you said yeah i think this is a, a key time for transformation a key time for globalization and it's great to have kind of partners and and companies out there that are going to help companies to do it and uh, leaders like yourself who obviously understand how it all works because it's pretty tough to understand that kind of so it's been great to speak to you thank you very thank much you. Thank you for and uh, i look forward to speaking to you soon maybe even tomorrow so thank you yeah i look forward to it. thanks again really appreciate it and take care of yourself
Thank you.